All right, welcome back to the Tuesday edition of <laughs> From Aid Arbitration. <laughs> We're going to finish this little portion on Article 8 before Saturday, I promise you that. Uh, I'll get it done tonight. Um, <clears throat> just walked in again in my uniform. And we're going to get this done, I promise you. I do have Mike Cariff coming in, Business Agent Region 3. He's coming in Sunday. He's going to talk about uh, the upcoming collective bargaining. Uh, like I said yesterday, uh, I don't I don't get on here and tell you to tell people to listen to me. I want you to tell anybody and everybody to, to tune in Sunday, and or it'll be Monday's edition because I'll put it up Sunday night. Tune in and listen to what Mr. Cariff has to say. Most people are never given an opportunity to hear this. You'll hear you, most people have no idea it's going to collective bargaining, that we're, we're going there next week. Uh, so here's a guy who's going to come on here and talk to y'all about it, things that y'all have never heard before. All right? So um, we need to take advantage of that. That's special. So Mr. Cariff is coming in Sunday. Mr. Cariff is not my business agent. <laughs> a lot of people are saying, why do you keep having him on if he hates your podcast? He's not my business agent. He's a business agent region three. I'm in region eight. All right. So uh, that's the reason he keeps coming on here because <laughs> he's not my business agent. <laughs> so uh, anyway, to all, to all those people that are wondering, all right, uh, JB will definitely be coming on the week after. And he's going to do a kind of salted peanuts type thing. A lot of people have reached out to him on some very good things, some very good topics. And he's going to cover those for you. It's going to be very good. Uh, we're going to finish up what I was talking about on this Article 8. Uh, we're, going to, we're going to work on our muscle memory a lot. I think that reading sucks. I think being read to sucks. However... I do believe that if you're out on your route and you're listening, your muscle memory will retain that uh, if you're listening to it. I just, I believe that truly. Uh, so if you listen to it once, twice, three times, and I'm going to go over a lot of stuff and it's going to be redundant. All right. But we're going to work on our muscle memory for that brain. Uh, advocates have very good muscle memory when they have a 1500 page case file. And it's being talked about in arbitration, the things that will come back to you because you've been looking at it and reading it and studying it. Uh, that's muscle memory of the brain. All right. So when, when I'm, what I'm going to do today is I'm going to be redundant to you as far as Article 8. Listen to it once, twice, three times, however much you want. And we're going to work on our muscle memory for our brain. Okay. Where when you hear something on the workroom floor or you see something going on, your, your brain will take you back to things that I've been talking about. All right. Does that sound good? Um, first off, I want to talk a little bit more about stationary events. Uh, had a lot of stuff come in today to me about stationary events, things on the, on, on, uh, on social media about stationary events. So I'm going to talk a little bit about, about it today. I think that this is, uh, something going on nationwide. Well, I don't think I know. It's going on nationwide. I think that it's coming from the area level and the headquarters level of the Postal Service. I think that they're directly involved with this. Uh, they're getting their asses handed to them on these uh, on the tie wrap process. And so they are trying to put uh, a Band-Aid on it. Um, I had a gentleman that's pretty high up message me today. I will not say his name. Um, but he stated this. He said, just an FYI, 
so far nationwide, NALC, 378 routes added. Okay? So far nationwide, NALC, 378 routes added. USPS, 39 routes removed. Now think about that. 378 routes added, 39 routes removed so far nationwide. That's kicking the shit out of management right there. Then he states, management is pushing their REITs, you know, the REITs teams members, uh, we have one, they have one, their REITs to look harder at stationary events and remove personal needs in a fickle attempt to regain some ground, but we aren't budging. And that's great. That's really good. We have to have them stand strong for us. Uh, too many times, uh, I've seen it at my station. Matter of fact, in the, in the old, um, in the in the old route adjustment process, you know, those teams came in, and our own person screwed us over. You know, I've seen that too many times. So, REIT teams, we need y'all to stand strong for us. This is this is going crazy across this country. Them messing with us on our stationary events. Here's one guy that stated, okay, folks, had a gather around this morning to notify us that we'll be starting to use the scanner to do our clock rings. The supervisor then added, we should be clocking in and out our bathroom breaks so that it doesn't show too many stationary events. To me, this sounds like a bullying tactic to get people to skip going to the bathroom when needed. Anyone else hear this in their office? And he was being serious. Somebody asked, is this a joke? He said, no, they really said that. They want us to start scanning in and out of our bathroom breaks. Here's another one. Good day. Lately, our PIC is pushing the one-hour office goal in the morning, as well as 24-minute load truck time. The OIC keeps saying that this is agreed upon by the union. I, however, found nothing in writing to concur with this statement from management. Shocking, I know. Has anyone heard of this? Where is the union at? Where are the higher-ups in the union at on this? How do we still have people reaching out on social media about this? That they're, they're not educated in their station? Where is our union at? We have people having to find out stuff on Facebook. That, that's completely unacceptable. We have people reaching out on Facebook to say, hey, has anybody heard of this hour office time or this this 24-minute uh, load time? You know, they're saying that the union has agreed to it. Hey, they're telling us that we have to scan in and out uh, to take a restroom break. Has anybody else heard of that? Where is our union at? We have been abandoned down here on this workroom floor by our union. Where, where is the, the people that are going into these stations to say, hey, look, don't believe shit that management says about office times, about stationary events. Don't believe any of that. They're lying to you. That's what they're doing. Where, where is that at? Where is the president of our union just splintering the top of a pulpit or a podium stating, hey, we are under attack by some lying son of a bitches on these route adjustment processes, on these hour office times, on these load times, on these stationary events. We are under attack by some low down son of a bitches. Hey, stewards, 
This is what the, the this is what the truth is. This is what we're dealing with. This is how you're going to address it. This is how you're going to attack it. And I'm going to write you a letter and I'm going to dispense it to each of my business agents. And they're going to dispense it to the local presidents. And they're going to dispense it to the shop stewards. And we're going to put it in every case file dealing with discipline, dealing with you grieving them, uh, spying on us and using covert techniques, all of these things, because the president of this union is going to say that we unequivocally denounce anything that management is saying the union is agreeing to outside of these memos. As the signatory on these memos, me, the president, I am telling you that the union has not and will not agree to any times outside of these memos. If management is using these memos to say that they can watch us now via the scanner and discipline us based off of the scanner data, and they're using these memos as a reference, I, the president, am denouncing that, and I'm telling you that I have never and I will never allow my carriers to be watched outside of these memos, what these memos are for. That's the reason I hate I hate this shit with these scanners. I knew the second I read it, this was going to happen. I knew that when I saw that they were going to use these scanners, the data, I knew for a fact, a matter of fact, I told y'all back then, this is what was going to happen. Wait and see. You know, we can talk to people when they say, well, we knew it was coming. You did not prepare the workforce for this. You did not prepare the smaller stations for the shit they're dealing with right now. I've got people on Facebook having to be educated. That is completely unacceptable for the union that we are. Completely unacceptable for the union that we are. I've got people messaging me, Corey Walton in Nashville, Tennessee, from California about shit, from New York about shit, from Florida about shit. I'm a city letter carrier in Nashville, and they're having messaged me, hey, about this shit here. You know why? Because our union at the top level has dropped the fucking ball as far as educating every single person. What should have happened, and I've said this before, before these memos came out, there should have been meetings with the business agents to say, get your people prepared. This is what's coming down the pike. Make sure that they understand that these times on these memos are the only thing agreed upon and they can only be used in the context of these memos through the TRAP process. They can only be used for that. If anything else is being said, make sure that your stewards at every single station are aware that it's a lie by management. I told you, management, when I said that if you can't beat them, cheat them, that is management to a T, and this is the perfect example. We have cleaned their clocks in this first phase. How the memos were were designed to do, they've done it for us. I told you, management thought they was going to get us because they always think we're stealing. When they saw what we're actually doing, we cleaned their clocks. So what do they do? They move the line. They adjust the rules, right? That's what they're doing. I I just think that we've dropped the ball. I hate seeing my people. I hate seeing my people distressed over anything. I just do. It pisses me the fuck off like you would not believe. If I'm on the workroom floor and I'm a steward. Now, stewards, look here. 
we're going to have to be the ones that save us. We're not going to be saved from anybody else. Okay. Nobody from up above is going to come to our rescue here because you've not seen it yet. You've not seen anybody send out anything saying, look, if they're saying this, it's a lie. But you know, I know that because too many people are still to this day saying, have y'all heard this about the hour office time? Have y'all heard this about, you know, they're watching us with these scanners now talking about stationary events. We got people being disciplined based on stationary events. Anybody said anything to y'all? Anybody outside of going to Facebook and having people on there tell you? So stewards, we're going to have to do this ourselves and we will. Okay. We will. Uh, educate everybody that you know that's a steward because not everybody listens to this. But we'll just do it right here, okay? We'll educate everybody on this damn podcast. I don't mind doing that. I'll take up that flag. I'm so sick of this shit going on with my people and nobody fucking helping. Nobody helping. I tell you what, man, if I'm the fucking president, I'm splintering a damn podium on whatever, so my people can see me rallying. So my people can see me pissed the fuck off. And I'm going to call management what they are. I'm going to say, these lying bastards are telling y'all that these hour office times are agreed upon. They're lying motherfuckers. These lying bastards, they're telling y'all that these 22-minute load times are standards. They're lying motherfuckers is what they are. These lying bastards are telling y'all that they can watch y'all now with these scanners, these stationary events, and we're in agreement because of these minnows. They're lying motherfuckers is what they are. That's what I want to see. That's what I want to see. I want management at the highest level to see me go off. I say, damn, this dude here's crazy. You fucking ain't right, I'm crazy. I'm crazy about the city letter carrier. And you're intentionally lying to them. You're intentionally lying trying to fuck them over. We're fixing to get it on. I'm not politically correct with anybody. I'm just not. That's the reason I, sh I would never be a good president of anything. <laughs> I wouldn't be a good president of a lemonade stand because I would not tolerate shit like this. And I would not come across as patting you on the back. Man, would y'all please stop that? You know that we didn't come into this agreement with this right here in mind. Would you please stop? I'm going to tell them you're a sorry lowdown motherfucker but by having your people do this shit. That's what I'm going to say. Whoever signed this with me, I'm going to call them up and say, hey, this is uh, so-and-so. Yeah. Hey, you're a lying piece of shit. Well, hey, what the fuck are you talking about? You're a lying motherfucker is what you are. For the shit y'all are doing to my city letter carriers based off these fucking memos. I'm sorry, but it, it makes me irate to see my people done like this. You've got OICs with the fucking nerve to get on the workroom floor and tell my people the union has agreed to this. The union has agreed to the 22 minutes load time. The union has agreed to the hour office time. <clears throat> but because of these memos, we can now watch you on the street, these stationary events, regardless of your answers. If you say, I didn't do it, we're going to give you discipline because we can watch you now based off these memos. That's what they're doing. They're lying to you. Hey, National, they're lying to your people down here. What have you done about it? Who have you educated about it? Nobody. We're having to do that at this ground level. All right, I'm going to get past that. Look, if, if they're talking to you on the workroom floor and, there's an, and a postmaster or a supervisor has said, hey, look, it's our office time. The union has agreed to it. Shop stewards, step up. 
You've got to understand your power on that workroom floor. Do not be scared and timid. Step up and say, hold up just a second. Did you just say the union is in agreement? Yeah, I need that in writing. And I need to see where you got that from. Do that in front of everybody. I'm doing it. If they ever came out on my workroom floor and said, hey, you got 22 minutes to load. The union is in agreement with that. Can you show me that? I need that in writing. Can you show me where we agreed to that? Okay. Uh, stationary events. Stationary events now. You know, they're watching those. So your stationary events. Are you talking about uh, watching this based off scanner data? Can I get all the 4584s y'all have done within the last year? Can I get all the street observations y'all have done within the last year on anybody in this station? And you're going to talk about stationary events when your lazy ass hasn't gone out there for one damn second to watch any of my carriers because you're too fucking lazy to get up out of your chair and go out there and do your damn job so you're being lazy as hell. You're using these memos to say, hey, we can watch them now on the street. We can watch them with these stationary events. The union has agreed to it. Somebody needs a foot in the ass. And I don't know which side I'm, I'm talking about. <laughs> That's the bad part. That's the bad part. But if they're talking to your carriers in an investigative interview or whatever about stationary events, stewards, take over. I need the 4584 street observation form that you did. I need the 4584. All right, get that on the record. We've got to start challenging these dumbass managers that are on the workroom floor lying on my union. They are lying on my union. We can't tolerate it. All right, up there they may not care. They may not give a damn. I do. You're not going to lie on my union. Challenge them on that workroom floor. Educate anybody that you know that doesn't listen to this and tell them, the union hadn't agreed to shit outside these memos. All right? Hey, shop stewards, it's on us. Plain and simple. It's on us. We're going to have to do this ourselves. We're going to have to pick this up ourselves and do it. We're going to have to be the ones that protect our carriers. We, we cannot rely on anybody else. It's, shit has hit the fan as far as these routes inspections, these T-Raps. We kicked the shit out of them on this first round, so management is intentionally lying now to gain shit back. I know I want somebody to rock the damn boat. I want somebody to rock the damn boat. I want somebody to come out with fucking <laughs> lightning out the ass and fireballs out the eyeballs. <laughs> I mean, I, I want somebody to rock the damn boat on this. This is this. I have people being disciplined now because of stationary events. I told you my business agent, he, he puckered up and sold my installation out when I had them about these stationary events questioning me. Because if you question me about stationary events, if I go in for an investigative interview, I don't care if I get disciplined or not. If I go in for an investigative interview and you question me about stationary events, that's a contractual grievance, right? That's in violation of section 134 of the M39 handbook. That's, that's what that is. You cannot spy on me and use covert techniques. If you're questioning me and you've not watched me, that's a contractual violation. And we have pissed that away. 
I'm filing it every damn time. If, if one of my carriers got taken in tomorrow and they said, hey, you got five stationary events. I'm saying, where'd you find that at? Where are you seeing that at? This data. I'm filing a grievance on you tomorrow. I have an 8190 for you tomorrow. I've got one. What for? You can't do that. You can't spy or use covert techniques, brother. That's exactly what you did. And firing that ass up. Hell, I can't do that in my installation. I can't do that in my region because my business agent said, fuck y'all. Now look at us. I'm just not politically correct. I wasn't going to do this either because I needed to get this damn thing over with. But fuck it, I've been so damn mad all day reading these things on Facebook. I got people going to Facebook trying to get help. How is that fucking possible? That we have dropped the ball that damn bad. God dang. It blows my fucking mind. It just does. The most powerful union in this service. And I've got members going to Facebook looking for help. God dang. We've got to have some kind of technology. Surely where they're saying, hey, at at, uh, whatever time, the business agent's going to talk to the region about some shit and have a business agent just fucking throw down, angry that his people are being done this way. Here's a message from the president, and he's mad as fuck. And this is what he wants me to tell y'all. Shop stewards, burn some shit down. Our president is mad as fuck at these lying son of a bitches. And this is what we're going to do about it. We're filing so many fucking grievances, they ain't got to worry about taking routes out. <laughs> They're going to be worried about filing, about meeting on these damn grievances, about spying on me. <sighs> anyway, shop stewards, challenge them on this workroom floor. If they're getting on the workroom floor saying some bullshit, challenge them in front of everybody. You've got to understand your power on the workroom floor. You are a powerful son of a bitch on that workroom floor, shop steward. You understand me? You are there to protect me. And you are there to protect my brothers and sisters. Do your damn job on the workroom floor. There's not shit management can do to you. They can get bitter. They can get angry. They can tell you to shut up. I want some fucking clarification. You're saying that the union agreed to it. I want that in writing. After the meeting, I'm going to put an information request. I'm going to say, I want that in writing. I want the email that you got saying that from whoever it's from. Well, I just made that up. Then I'm filing a grievance on you for being a lying son of a bitch. That's what I'm doing. Guys, we've got to protect our people. We are under fire right now. Headquarters and area has said, put a target on the carrier's back and go after them. They're telling people to clock in and out from restroom breaks to keep from having a stationary event. So from now on, when I'm on my walk around, I go to a Porta John, I got to fucking take my, my scanner in there. You're out of your damn mind. You've lost your ever-loving mind. Come on, shop stewards. It's on us, okay? It's on us. We'll educate ourselves, all right? We'll educate ourselves. 
I'm not looking for anybody, any help from anybody else, and I've never needed it. I've handled my business on my own, and that's what I'll do. I've given you examples of people above me stabbing me in the damn back. They can kiss it. We'll handle our business, shop stewards, okay? We're going we're gonna to protect our people. If we're the only ones, we're going to do it, and we're damn sure going to do it. We're damn sure going to do it. We're going to be the most educated shop steward force in the in the service. No other no other union will have shop stewards like we are. We're going to educate ourselves through this podcast, through whatever else we can come up with. We're going to educate ourselves. This right here, this podcast is going to be the ruin of supervisors and 204Bs and management. All right? I want managers quitting. Because y'all are so educated and firing their fucking ass up. I want, I want them quitting. I want them going into another craft because of y'all. Lying son of a bitches. All right, Article 8. Let's get this on. I love y'all, man. With everything in me, I do. And, and that's not me just saying some shit. I love the letter carrier craft, the city letter carrier craft. I love y'all. And it pisses me off more than you could even fucking imagine when I see this shit. With them messing. I don't give a damn if it's one carrier in one station in 150 miles from the next suburb, the next installation. If it's one carrier, motherfucker, I'm ready to fight. God dang it. I'll drive there my fucking self and fight. One carrier. I love the city letter carrier craft, man. You ain't going to fuck with us, brother. That fucking fires me up to see my people hurting like that. God dang. All right. Let's talk about some some muscle memory. Some Article 8. It's going to be boring as hell, and I'm sorry. (laughs) But I hate reading to y'all as much as y'all hate being read too. Okay. But this will help your muscle memory. I promise you as boring as this is going to be. Uh, but we're going to talk about article eight over and over and over. Okay. And I'm going to continue to do that. Article eight is confusing as hell, but through muscle memory, through me reading to y'all, you listening to it, even if you're not paying attention to it, your mind is taking this in as crazy as that sounds. Okay. All right, here we go. Y'all ready? Overtime entitlement. Overtime opportunities for carriers on the regular OTDL are not distributed by seniority or on a rotating basis, nor is a carrier on the regular OTDL ever entitled to any specific overtime, even if occurs on his or her own route. All right, and that's JCAM page 832. Work week. Full-time regular, five days a week, 40 hours a week, eight hours in a day, okay? Five days a week, 40 hours a week, eight hours in a day, and that's JCAM page 8-1. Overtime work, overtime pay rate, Article 8-4-A, overtime pay is to be paid at the rate of one and one-half times the base hourly straight-time rate. Penalty overtime pay rate. Article 84C. P 
penalty overtime pay is to be paid at the rate of two times the base hourly straight time rate. Penalty overtime pay will not be paid for any hours worked in the month of December. And that's JCAM page 8.3. Penalty overtime entitlement, full-time employees, excludes December. All right, so full penalty overtime entitlement, full-time employees, excludes December. Overtime worked on more than four of the employee's five scheduled days in a service week. All right. Overtime worked on more than four of the employee's five scheduled days in a service week. So it doesn't say four. It says more than four. That confuses a lot of people. Overtime worked on more than four of the employee's five scheduled day in a service week. All right. Work over 10 hours on a regularly scheduled day. Work over eight hours on a non-scheduled day. Work over six days in a service week. Penalty overtime entitlement for other employees excludes December. All work beyond 10 hours in a service day or 56 hours in a service week, PTS, CCAs. All right. Penalty overtime entitlement for other employees. All work beyond 10 hours in a service day or 56 hours in a service week, PTS and CCAs. Overtime assignment rules apply to full-time employees. The introduction to Article 8.5 clarifies that its provisions as a whole apply only to full-time regular or full-time flexible employees who are needed to work overtime. This provision does not require management to use a full-time employee desiring to work overtime in preference to a part-time flexible PTF or city care assistant, CCA. I'm going to read that again because this is another one that confuses people. Overtime assignment rules apply to full-time employees. The introduction to Article 8.5 clarifies that its provisions as a whole apply only to full-time regular or full-time flexible employees who are needed to work overtime. This provision does not require management to use a full-time employee desiring to work overtime in preference to a part-time flexible PTF or city care assistant, CCA. That's JCAM page 8.8. Signing overtime lists. Full-time letter carriers, including full-time flexibles who want to work overtime, may place their names on either the overtime desired list or the work assignment list, but not both. Carriers may sign a list or switch between lists only during the two weeks prior to the beginning of the calendar quarter, JCAM page 8-9. And here's one that I use against management all the time in arbitration is this very thing. It says, full-time letter carriers, including full-time flexibles who want to work overtime, may place their names on either the overtime desired list. So you know what that means? Anybody who wants to work overtime will sign the list. If I don't want to work overtime, my name's not going to be on the list. So if you continue to use me and I'm not on the list, we're going to have issues. And we use that all the time in arbitration. I don't want to work overtime because it says if I want to, I'll sign the ODL. You know what? My name's not on the ODL. You know why? I don't want to work overtime. A lot of people disagree with me, but I believe that the, uh, I believe article eight was written to protect those not wanting to work overtime. 
I do. There are some with the, the theory that it's written to protect those who do want to work overtime. I'm not in that camp. I believe Article 8 was written for the employees not wanting to work overtime. Signing overtime lists. The installation head or and branch president or their designees may mutually elect to develop a process that allows employees who transfer from another installation or are converted to full-time following the sign-up period to place their names on either the overtime desired list or work assignment list, okay? The installation head and branch president or their designees may mutually elect to develop a process that allows employees who transfer from another installation or are converted to full-time following the sign-up period to place their names on either the overtime desire list or or work assignment list. And that's M1858. M1858. Signing overtime lists. Your name remains on the list until you remove it. Management cannot remove me from the overtime desire list. We used to have that issue all the time years ago. People would refuse overtime. Management said they just took them off the list. Well, they're always refusing, so we just took them off the list. You can't do that. It says clearly on page 810, your name remains on the list until you remove it. Management cannot remove my name from the list. You can remove your name from the list at any time. The day you remove your name from the list, management can still work you overtime. So if I take my name off the list today, they can still give me overtime today. It won't start until tomorrow. Overtime and annual leave. Normally, carriers are not required to work their non-scheduled day if they have approved annual leave either the day before or the day after. That's a hot topic as well. I'll read it again. Normally, carriers are not required to work their non-scheduled day if they have approved annual leave either the day before or the day after. All right? That's JCAM page 812. So remember when we talked about normally when it was talking about Article 16, normally? Normally means under normal or usual conditions as a rule. Under normal or usual conditions as a rule, normally. So make sure when you see these kind of things and it has a word like normally or must or should or can or whatever, make sure that we're explaining that to an arbitrator if we're having to put contentions together for this. All right, because this is another one that's a sticker. We've gone to arbitration a lot over this one where it says normally carriers are not required to work their non-scheduled day if they have approved annual leave either the day before or the day after. And it does not say how much annual leave. It doesn't say one click or eight hours. It says non-scheduled day if they have approved annual leave either the day before or the day after. All right? That's that's something that was very contentious. <laughs> J. Campage 812. Request for temporary schedule change, the PS Form 3189. If a carrier has an approved PS Form 3189, it is inappropriate for management to require them to work overtime on that day. All right, and that's a request for temporary schedule change for personal convenience. All right, 3189. Overtime and holiday scheduling. Only work beyond eight hours on a holiday or designated holiday is considered overtime work. All right? Only work beyond eight hours on a holiday or designated holiday is considered overtime work. That's another one they get asked about all the time. Only work beyond eight hours on a holiday or designated holiday is considered overtime work. 
holiday schedule and the work schedule are two different items. The OTDL is not used when scheduling for holiday coverage. JCAM pages 813 and 832. The letter care paragraph. Here you go. In the letter care craft, where management determines that overtime or auxiliary assistance is needed on an employee's route on one of the employee's regularly scheduled days, and the employee is not on the overtime desired list, the employer will seek to use auxiliary assistance when available rather than requiring the employee to work mandatory overtime. Non-OTDL carrier working overtime on their own route. Right? Non-OTDL carrier working overtime on their own route. PTS at straight time or regular overtime rate. CCAs at straight time or regular overtime rate. Full-time regular carriers at the straight time rate. OTDL carriers at the regular overtime rate. All right? So you see what, what wasn't in there? Penalty overtime, right? PTS at straight time, CCS at straight time, or regular overtime. PTS at straight time or regular overtime. CCAs at straight time or regular overtime. Full-time regular at straight time rate. OTDL carries at the regular overtime rate. So it does not say penalty. Non-OTDL care working overtime off their route. Non-OTDL care working overtime off their route. Before acquiring a non-OTDL care to work overtime on a non-scheduled day or off their route, management must seek to use a care from the OTDL even if the OTDL carrier would be working penalty overtime. A lot of times we see that in agreements. Management says they're only going to work them 10 hours, an operational window, a dispatch of value, we don't even take that into consideration. It says before requiring a non-OTDL carrier to work overtime on a non-scheduled day or off their route, management must, M-U-S-T, must seek to use a carrier from the OTDL, even if the OTDL carrier would be working penalty overtime. JCAM page 815. Mandatory overtime. Here's the, one of the biggest things going on in this country right now is mandatory overtime. The single greatest thing that I get, emails, messages, and texts, is this, mandatory overtime, what can be done? All right? And this is what it is. Mandatory overtime, purpose of the OTDL, rotating basis, juniority, skipped over if absent. Look at your LMOU. Skipped over if absent. Volunteers excused from mandatory overtime. JCAM page 817. I have never in my career, I've been doing it 29 years, I have never seen the amount of FMLA, of eight-hour restrictions, of nine-hour restrictions. I have never seen the amount of that in my 29 years that I see today. The amount of FMLA people have gotten, the amount of eight-hour restrictions. I, I didn't even know what that was back when I first started. It is rampant right now, eight-hour restrictions. The amount of nine-hour restrictions. I mean, that is a thing. I've seen that a bunch. Uh, it's because management has failed us in staffing our facilities. It's not our fault. 
FMLA, eight-hour restriction, nine-hour restriction. That's not on me. That's on management because you've not staffed this place properly and you're mandating us to death. You're mandating the care craft to death. Remember that rant I went on about we're weary, we're tired, the staffing issues? That's the sole reason right there. You see the, all this FMLA, these eight-hour restrictions, these nine-hour restrictions. It's because you're working us into the grave. Okay? So I've never seen it in my career like it is today. And that's solely because management has not staffed the place properly. Mandatory overtime. Article 85F provides that with two exceptions, December and OTDL employees will not be required to work more than 10 hours on a regularly scheduled work day or more than eight hours on a non-scheduled day. That's JCAM page 818. OTDL responsibilities and requirements. An OTDL care does not have the option of accepting or refusing overtime. OTDL. That's overtime desired list for new stewards. I apologize. I was sitting here running through there like y'all know all these things. OTDL is overtime desired list, okay? WAO is work assignment only. So OTDL is overtime desired list, okay? Sorry about that. I've been going through these things. I didn't think y'all may be your first day on the job. So an OTDL, overtime desired list care, does not have the option of accepting or refusing overtime. And that's a stickler. Work over eight hours on a non-scheduled day. Work over six days in a service week. Overtime on more than four of the five scheduled days in a service week. An OTDL care must be required to work up to 12 hours in a day and 60 hours in a week before requiring a non-OTDL care to work overtime off their route. Okay, so they can be required to work up to 12 hours in a day and 60 hours in a week before requiring a non-OTDL carrier to work overtime off their route. That's JCAM page 818. 12-hour and 60-hour limit, excluding December. 12-hour and 60-hour limits are absolutes. We've got a million grievances on that going around nationwide, working over 12 and 60. And that's one of the biggest complaints we have. And what do you do about it? I saw up there in, in um, Oregon, I believe it was, with the branch president. He just decided, hey, y'all aren't going to work past 12 and 60 anymore. Bring the mail back. He, he just made that call himself. It was on the news. So all the carriers, because the president, branch president, said, I'm tired of my carriers working past 12 and 60. We've got all these grievances. Y'all just bring it back, and, and we'll deal with what happens after that. Congress got involved in everything, so they won. <laughs> they won. Management couldn't do nothing to them, so they had to say, you know, either staff it or they're coming back in 12 hours. So kudos to that branch president that did that. You know, that's that's ballsy. That's ballsy. So uh, <laughs> I don't know if y'all saw that on the news, but it's pretty damn cool, man. You're thinking that president right there has got him some. Or her, I don't know if it's a him or her, I don't know, but uh, that's powerful. Good stuff. Anyway, where was I? A full-time employee may neither volunteer nor be required to work beyond those limits. And all these things go into 12 and 60-hour grievances, right? A full-time employee may not neither volunteer nor be required to work beyond those limits. 
and we know that they do that all the time. 12 and 60 limitations include all hours, including any leave taken. So if you got uh, annual leave taken in the morning, you got to take your, your child to a doctor's appointment and you take annual and then you come in. That's included in the 12 and 60. All right. If you take two hours of sick leave because you got to go get your teeth worked on and you come back, that's included in the 12 and 60. All right. Holiday leave pay is included in the 12 and 60 hour limitations to include any hours actually worked on the holiday. Why? Because holidays are paid, right? JCAM pages 819. 12 hour, 60 hour requirements. Send the carrier home after working 60 hours. Entitled to pay for the remainder of their scheduled day. 11 and a half hours worked plus lunch. CCA non-OTDL. 11 and a half hours worked plus lunch. CCA non-OTDL. 12 hours worked plus the lunch. OTDL work assignment. All right, y'all get that? 11 and a half hours worked plus lunch. CCA non-OTDL. 12 hours worked plus lunch. OTDL work assignment. Remedy. Exclusive remedy is 50% of base hourly straight time. Now, we do know that people have won more than that in arbitration. Uh, they have signed off on more than that in the grievance settlement. So if you can get it, get it. More than the 50%. That's JCAM page 820. Work assignment list. No entitlement. Obligation to work non-schedule. Considered available for 12 hours. Management may assign work to a PTF or a CCA at the straight time rate or the overtime rate. To avoid paying penalty pay, management may assign work to OTDL carrier at regular overtime rate. All right, so this is one cause. This one causes fights now. Work assignment list considered available for 12 hours. Management may assign work to a PTF or a CCA at the straight time rate or the overtime rate. I get that question all the time. Hey, I'm going to work assignment. They continue to send the CCA to, to take my overtime. There you have it. Management may assign work to a PTF or a CCA at the straight time rate or the overtime rate. So a CCA can come take that work. And that's what I've been telling them. There you have it right there. To avoid paying penalty pay, management may assign work to OTDL carry at regular overtime rate. And that's JCAM page 822. Care technicians on the work assignment list. A care technician who is signed for work assignment overtime has both a right and an obligation to work any overtime that occurs on any of the five component routes on a regularly scheduled day. All right, so a T6, a care technician who is signed for work assignment overtime has both a right and an obligation to work any overtime that occurs on his string. Okay, on a regularly scheduled day. All right, that's a big one. When overtime is required on the regularly scheduled day of the route of a carrier who is on the OTDL and whose care technician is on the work assignment list, the care technician is entitled to work the overtime. There's another big one. Listen to that now. When overtime is required on the regularly scheduled day of the route of a carrier who is on the OTDL, and whose care technician is on the work assignment list, the care technician is entitled to work the overtime. So the OTDL care has no right to that overtime 
if the T6 is, is on the work assignment list. Okay, that's page 822. When overtime is required on the regularly scheduled day of the route of a carrier who is on the work assignment list and whose care technician is also on the work assignment list, the regular carrier on the route is entitled to work the overtime. So we flipped it on that one. So if both carriers on the work assignment list, T6 and the regular carrier, the regular carrier gets the work. Okay, <laughs> it's confusing, ain't it? Page 822. Pay guarantees. A full-time regular carrier is guaranteed eight hours of work or pay in lieu of when they are called in on their non-scheduled day. When a PTF or CCA is requested or scheduled to work in a post office or facility with 200 or more work years, they are guaranteed four hours of work or pay in lieu of. Now, I've talked about this before. If you don't know if your station has 200 or more work years, contact your business agent. At the beginning of every year, they'll have that and it won't change. So make sure you contact your business agent, shop stewards, at the beginning of each year and say, hey, my station or my installation or my facility, do you know if it has 200 or more work years? And they'll tell you, okay, and then that way you'll know. When a PTF or CCA is requested or scheduled to work in a post office or facility with fewer than 200 work years, they're guaranteed two hours of work or pay in lieu of. Management may not solicit employees to work less than their call guarantee. Management may not schedule an employee that cannot work their entire guarantee. So this one comes up a lot. If I finish in six hours... I'm guaranteed eight hours, right, as a regular carrier. I'm guaranteed eight hours if I come in. So if I work six hours, there's nothing else to do. And management says, hey, you need to go and take annual leave and, and uh, hit the door. I'm grieving that. I'm grieving that, okay? You can't solicit me to work less than the call guarantee. I can sit there on my, on my stool for two hours because I'm guaranteed eight hours. Now, if management wants to say, hey, 701, clock out and get on out of here and we'll pay you for eight. Okay. You going to pay me for eight to leave? I'll do that. But you cannot tell me to take any kind of leave or go ahead and leave. Uh, I'm guaranteed eight hours when I show up. All right. PS form 3996, carry auxiliary control form. PS Form 1571, Undelivered Mail Report. And we've gone over these a bunch when we was talking about protecting our routes, right? Article 413G, the employer will advise a carrier who has properly submitted a carrier auxiliary control form, 3996, of the disposition of the request promptly after a view of the circumstances at the time. Upon request, a duplicate copy of the completed Form 3996 and Form 1571 report of undelivered mail, etc., will be provided to the carrier. And we've gone over that agnosium on this thing. Talking about the 3996, verbally inform your managers you can't make it in eight hours. Follow your manager's instructions. Request a PS Form 3996 and explain the reason why you need one. Fill out the form completely, explaining types of mail and circumstances. Keep your cool. Do not argue. Don't make any decisions. Letter carriers get paid to deliver the mail while managers get paid to make decisions. 
Call back to the office for further instructions. Follow the instructions you're given. Handle requests for overtime auxiliary assistance on other routes the same way. This is the PS Form 1571, the curtail slip, right? Do not curtail mail unless you're instructed by a manager. Ask for a PS Form 1571. That's get out of jail free card. Include all mail that was distributed to you that will not be taken out for delivery. Remarks as per management instructions. So when you have the remarks section, as per management's instructions. If you bring back mail in the afternoon, complete a PS Form 1571. Do not curtail mail unless you're instructed by a manager. Filing an Article 8 grievance. Ask for a shop steward. Meet with the grievant. Submit a request for information. Request union time. Request informal step A meeting. All requests should be in writing. Do not have verbal extensions. Do not have verbal requests. Everything should be in writing, okay? What to request? Now, here's what we're going to request on the overtime uh, grievance. We're going to request the OTDL sign-up sheet. That is one of the most important things. Tax employee everything report. Work schedule. Seniority list. PS Form 3996 and rotating mandatory list. So those are things that we're going to request when we're filing an Article 8 grievance, okay? The OTDL sign-up sheet. We need to know what carriers are on the list and what list they're on. Tax employee everything report. That's going to show me everything I need to know. Work schedule. Seniority list. PS Form 3996s and rotating mandatory list. Local settlement agreements, informal or formal. You got to have a GATS number. The date, the local grievance number, the issue statement, settlement agreement remedy. Make sure both parties sign and date the page. Make sure all of this information is on one page. Try and include a cease and assist from violating the specific article of the national agreement. Hallelujah. I love that. Try and include a cease and assist. That's no problem. I just got to get it by the people above me. <laughs> Shit. If it is a formal step A settlement, make it citable and precedent setting if you can. And you can do that with a formal step A settlement, right? It talks about that in Article 15. You can make a formal step A settlement citable and precedent setting. Arbitrator Roberts gave us that decision. I talked about it on one of my earlier podcasts where JB got management, uh, and arbitrator Roberts memorialized that in his decision saying that, you know, JB put in there that this is going to be citable and precedent setting. When they get to the hearing, they say, Hey, the only thing precedent setting is a B team decision. And he said, no, it's not. Article 15 clearly states, you know, so JB got him on that. Be specific on the due dates. If management is to pay or provide something as a result, that's one of the biggest problems that we have. And make sure, make absolutely sure that we're putting a due date on our settlements. So if you're going to say that management is to pay Coy Walton $1,500, a lump sum payment of $1,500 minus standard deductions, this payment will be done no later than 
seven days from the date of this decision, no later than 14 days from the date of this decision. And proof of payment will be provided to the formal step A representative upon completion. Make sure you're doing that on your ish, on your remedies. It says be specific on the due dates if management is to pay or provide something as a result. If you just tell me Corey Walton's going to be paid fifteen hundred dollars less standard deductions and don't tell them when, they will never pay me. They're not. Now we'll get M fifteen seventeen. We'll get fifteen seventeen where it says promptly, you know. Settlements should be done as promptly after. So we'll get that. And that's what we're having to do a lot of times when we go to arbitration, where they say, well, there's no date to do it. Yeah, but 1517 says you're going to do it promptly. Okay, so we have, we have a backdoor way of doing that. But just to alleviate that, make sure that you're getting the date on there. It's going to be done within seven days from the date of this decision or 14 days. I wouldn't go past that. Okay. What to include in your grievance file. All requested documentation, all written requests, steward time, information, etc. That's the reason to do them in writing is so critical. It, it's, it's money when you get to arbitration. And management says they didn't see something, they didn't know something. Well, hell, I got a written request right here that you signed. I got a time limit extension that you signed. Our B team is terrible for management saying things are untimely. And I've got a damn written extension right there in the damn file. Okay, so make sure we're putting those things in the file. Appeal letters. Steward certification. That's another big one. Even though I'm not required to do that. Labor here in this district. Absolutely horrible. Our, the B team person for management is a damn dreadful human being. And the, the biggest liar that I've ever seen. Uh, she's absolutely pathetic. But she will say the steward's not properly certified because the steward certification is not in the damn case file. There's nothing in any handbook or manual that states that I have to put my certification in the case file. Nothing. But she'll say that the steward's not properly certified. There's nothing in the case file showing the steward's properly certified. Lying piece of shit. So... Put the steward certification in there if you want to, to help alleviate that. I don't know if your B team's a piece of shit or not for management. Previous local grievance settlements, informal step A and formal step A, and that is critical. Previous local grievance settlements, if you've got informal step A's, those are not precedent setting, but you can memorialize those, right, in accordance with Article 15. So if I've got a cease and desist on an informal step A, it's still money. It's still money. Because why? If management says that they didn't do if they didn't stop, then they failed to bargain in good faith with me. In Article 15, isn't it covered with bargain in good faith? I'm going to use that against management. If I've got an informal step A settlement and it says cease and desist and management doesn't, and it gets up to arbitration and management and arbitration, labor says, hey, that they can't put a... You know, they, they can't, that's not precedent setting. It's an informal step A resolution. Then I'm going to say you failed to bargain with me in good faith because you agreed with me at the informal step A level. You're going to cease and desist. You're going to cease and desist. You're going to stop and not do it anymore. So basically what you're saying is you hoodooed me. You got me. 
Is that what you're saying? Y'all are dishonest to me when you signed it. You had no intention of abiding by that. Article, I mean, M1517, M1517 says what? Signed grievance settlements. Is an informal step A settlement a signed grievance settlement? You're damn right it is. So would 1517 apply to that? Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. M1517 would apply to an informal step A grievance settlement. Why? Because it says signed grievance settlements, which is exactly what an informal step A grievance is. Use that. And formal step A, all right? Compliance letters, 1517. Previous step B decisions, critical. If you've got 1,000, I'm putting 1,000 of them in there. I just have, when I get case files as an advocate, and I've got a case file that's 2,000 pages and 1,900 pages are past B team decisions, I'm reading every single sentence of every single one. I just am. I read the entire case file over and over and over again. I'm going to pick things out of those B team decisions, and I'm going to show those to the arbitrator where they have been told since 1993. That's what we did in Lake Charles, me and A.J. Bro. He had 200 of them. We went through every one of them in arbitration. What did it do? It got us carries $1,000 per, per decision, $1,000 per grievance. If a carrier was not on the list and he worked 30 minutes off assignment, Every carrier in his station got $1,000 off of that 30-minute grievance. He has 35 carriers in the station. So every grievance, right off the jump, $35,000. Before they even got into reimbursing anybody, $35,000. So make sure we're putting our previous Step B decisions in there, okay? Step 4 agreements, MDOCs. That's what that's talking about. Step 4 agreements, MDOCs. Make sure we're putting those in there. Grievance reminders. Contentions should be backed up with evidence in the case file. Without evidence, the contentions are just unsupported statements. Everything that you write in your contentions should be easily referenced in your case file. Beautiful. Go in a chronological order when writing your contentions. This will help the reader better understand your viewpoint. I've always talked about the contentions need to be like a book. You're not going to put the ending at the beginning. All right? You got to start somewhere and you work your way to the ending. That's what it's saying. Go in a chronological order when writing your contentions. Write your contentions if you were telling someone for the first time about the postal service. Do not assume anything. And that's talking about arbitrators. Arbitrators are very smart individuals. We've got all new panels. They may not know what 85G is. They not, may not know what Article 8 is. So you're writing your contentions as if you're telling someone for the first time about the Postal Service. I always write my contentions like my neighbor has walked out the front door and I'm saying, hey, man, at my station, they're constantly working carriers not on the list off assignment. He's going to say, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> okay. You got to tell him a story that he will understand. Okay, because when we get JB is is an expert at that in his contentions. I can tell him to start and I'll tell him when to stop. And he tells the arbitrator a story. And I just sit back and listen to this story being told. 
He's telling the arbitrator a story as if the arbitrator just walked into the post office for the very first time. Okay. Have a clear and defined remedy. I always say your remedy should mirror your issue. Your remedy should mirror your issue. Okay. So if you've got an issue, your remedy should mirror that. What am I talking about? If I said that management violate article 17 and 31, my remedy needs to address 17 and 31. I have seen numerous case files get to arbitration where we say we didn't get an information that we requested. Nothing in the remedy talking about information request. Talking about 1731. What good did that do me? We've got a great argument on information that they didn't provide us information on Article 1731. A damn good argument for us. Nothing in the remedy about it. That happens all the time. Make sure that your remedy mirrors your issue. If you've got an Article 8 violation, what are we going to get for it in our remedy? If we've got a 17 and 31 violation, what are we going to get for it in our remedy? Okay? Be able to justify your remedy and your contentions. Back when I was formal eight years and years ago, we would always have a carrier out of the same station, shop steward out of the same station. It didn't matter what it was, office carriers getting $500. I can't justify that. So I'd have to get White out, White out his remedy. I can't justify $500 because a carrier, I mean, because a, a supervisor brought you an express mail. I, I can't justify that unless he's done it a hundred times and we've worked our way up to it. But you know, for the first grievance, if a supervisor brought a carrier an express mail, $500, <laughs> I'd be like, dude, you can't do it. He didn't care. Everyone $500. So you got to be able to justify your remedy and your contentions. Okay. <laughs> Always put your request for shop steward time in writing and have management sign and date it. The shop steward and the supervisor should mutually agree to when time will be provided. I dealt with, I was talking to a gentleman today. He called me from New York and was talking about this very thing. The shop steward and the supervisor should mutually agree to when time will be provided. That's M332 and M606. M332 and M606, all right? Include your shop steward time request in the grievance file. Depending on the grievance, especially if you're not allowed the full time that you requested, include your tax clock rings to show the amount of 613 union time you received. Account for it. The NALC has bargained hard for the right to adjust, investigate, process, and present a grievance on the clock. Don't throw this important right away. <laughs> now, you're going to get me started on when I talk about the, the coward and the quitter on that one here because my man here is getting screwed over on that one. But it says, the NELC has bargained hard for the right to adjust, investigate, process, and present agreements on the clock. Don't throw this important right away. I need to send that to the B-team guy who keeps screwing my guy over on that. Cite previous grievance settlements. Include them in your grievance file. Cite previous DRT decisions and include them in your grievance file. DRT decisions are precedent setting from within the installation from which the grievance arose. That's page 5158. Even though informal and formal, unless specified, 
Settlements are not precedent setting. They are certainly persuasive to show a pattern. An informal or formal settlement agreement that requires a cease and desist letter from the postmaster is enforceable. Always keep compliance letters from your previous postmasters. With written statements from carriers, make sure they are appropriately worded and not personal. Include an exhibit list if, if possible. Make sure and put your mailing address somewhere in the case file or on the outside of it. There should not be multiple PS Form 8190s in the grievance file. There should only be the original. Make sure you are filing the right grievance. For example, an Article 11 versus an Article 8 on holiday versus overtime. Include the correct documents. An Article 11 grievance should include the holiday sign-up sheet and holiday schedule. An Article 8 grievance should include the quarterly overtime desired sign-up list, among other things. Filing grievance is not a quick process. You will get out of it what you put in it, and that is perfect. You will get out of it what you put in it. If you're asking for big money, and you make that, that grievance file pristine and it supports that, we're going to get you some big money. All right? I want all of your carriers driving Beamers or whatever they want. I would love that. One of the greatest things I ever heard was A.J. Bro down in Lake Charles. And he's, he's making money for the carriers hand over fist now, $1,000 per grievance. That those cares are getting rich. So management tries to screw AJ over. They say, hey, can we hold the, there's not, I, I can't remember, I have to ask him. 30, 60, 90 grievances held in abeyance waiting on this outcome of this one grievance. So they try to get AJ because he's cleaning their, their clocks. And so they tell him, hey, all these grievances are now untimely, the ones that are being held in abeyance. So they tried to screw him out of it. It was either 30, 60, or 90. I can't remember. So they tried to screw him out of all these grievances. They were underhanded. Well, he had, a, he had an extension. So, you know, it backfired on him because they're like, hey, all these grievances you're holding in abeyance, they're now all untimely. So he's walking out. He knows he knows he has them. They they ended up selling all of them for I can't remember. It was two hundred fifty thousand dollars, three hundred fifty thousand dollars, something like that. They settled all those grievances for. But he's walking out the door, and as he's walking out the door, one of the carriers hollers at him. Now he's mad as hell at management trying to screw him because he's trying to work with him in good faith. Matter of fact, I think he told him he'd give him a discount on them, and they still try to screw him over. So the carrier yells out, hey, man, <laughs> hey, AJ, how much am I getting, man? I'm going to get some new rims for my vehicle. And AJ stops and turns around in front of the manager. He says, hey, get the expensive ones. Because <laughs> he's telling them, I'm fixing to bankroll you, baby. I'm fixing to take care of you. So anyway, <laughs> make sure, you, make sure you're, uh, you're putting in your case file uh putting good time in your case file you'll get out of it what you put in it okay and that's a perfect example get the get the expensive ones the same goes for grievance meetings do not let management rush you when you're in a grievance meeting they will definitely try and we hear that all the time hey i, I'm, I got a 
teleconference. I got to get on. Let's, let's hurry this thing up. Do not let management rush you when you're in a grievance meeting. Filing a grievance is your contractual right. Do not let management take that away from you by getting in a hurry. You never know what grievance is going to arbitration, so make sure each and every grievance is ready for an independent decision based on the facts of the case. Do not let management catch us with our pants down when you're selling all these Article 8 grievances and every time you go in, you sell them, and every time you go in, and sell them, and you get lackadaisical, and you don't start putting everything in there that you used to. You're going in there because you all sell them all the time, and the one time you go in there and your case file ain't ready, they say we're not going to agree to it. All right? We're not going to agree to it. Your case file's not arbitration ready. I always say as a shop steward, and, and a lot of people don't agree with this, and that's fine. As a shop steward, when I put my case file together, it can go straight to arbitration. I don't need the formal A and I don't need the B team. My case file, when I'm a, as a shop steward at the informal A, can go straight to arbitration. Now, my business agent whined like a little girl uh, because I said that in an earlier episode. That's the reason I told y'all, hey, go to y'all's formal A and your president or your business agent, ask them how they want y'all to do things. That's why I always say that, because not everybody does things like I do. And you shouldn't, maybe. But my case file at the formal A can go straight to arbitration. You know why? Because I don't want anybody speaking for me. I want to speak for myself. I don't, although JB's is master, much better than me, you know, he, he's more than adequate. I want to speak for myself. I do not want anyone speaking for me or on my behalf. I want to speak for my carriers. So my, my contingents are arbitration ready when I send them up to JB and he can add whatever he wants to to them. All right. Always to get your appeal to step B postmarked and round dated certified with return receipt because management is low down line bastards and they will say that it wasn't properly appealed. Always get your appeal to step B postmarked and round dated certified with return receipt because they are lying, cheating bastards. Okay. All right. Y'all want to go some with some muscle memory? Y'all keep going. Let's do it. Let's talk. Let's work on some muscle memory for the brain. Here's another one. No overtime entitlement. Overtime opportunities for carriers on the regular OTDL are not distributed by seniority or on a rotating basis. A carrier on the regular OTDL is not entitled to any specific overtime, even if it occurs on his or her own route. And I get this all the time when people say, hey, I'm on the list. And this other guy's on the list, and they're working every Monday, and I don't work any. A carrier on the regular OTDL is not entitled to any specific overtime, even if it occurs on his or her own route. All right? Where do we address that? Where do we address that complaint? The quarterly overtime, right? So the any a carrier on the regular OTL is not entitled to any specific overtime, even if it occurs on his or her own route. Pay guarantees. FTR, guaranteed eight hours of work for pay. FTR, guaranteed eight hours of work or pay. PTF and CCA and 200 or more work year offices are guaranteed four hours of work or pay. 
PTFCCA and less than 200 work year offices are guaranteed two hours of work or pay. Now, what did I say about those work year hours, offices? What did I say about those 200 work year offices? Ask your business agent and they'll tell you. Don't try to figure that up. I see people on Facebook trying to, to get some kind of format. Don't do that. Just ask your business agent. They have it readily available. Management cannot solicit an employee to work less than their guarantee. Can't tell me to take annual leave if I come back in seven hours. Management may not schedule an employee that cannot work their entire guarantee. Out of schedule premium only applies to full-time employees. Does not apply to light or limited duty schedule change. Okay, out of schedule premium only applies to full-time employees. Does not apply to light limited duty schedule change. If notice of a temporary schedule change is given by Wednesday of the preceding week, out-of-schedule premium is paid. If notice of a temporary schedule change is not given by Wednesday of the preceding week, then out-of-schedule premium does not apply. Overtime pay applies. All right? No pyramiding of overtime rates. Okay? So that means I can't have the the out-of-schedule premium, and overtime. I cannot pyramid overtime rates. Sunday premium. Here's a big one for you. A carrier who works on Sunday receives an additional 25% of the base hourly rate. It's not 50% or 75%. (laughs) I've dealt with that before. A carrier who works on Sunday receives an additional 25% of the base hourly rate. The no pyramiding provisions of Article 8.4.F apply. CCAs do not receive Sunday premium. Overtime list. Your name remains on the list until you remove it. You can remove your name from the list at any time. The day you remove your name from the list, management can still work you overtime. Management may not remove your name from the list. Employees on the ODL are required to work the overtime given to them. If requested, management may excuse overtime work. Overtime list, 12-hour list, may be required to work up to 12 hours in a day and 60 hours in a service week, excluding December. 10-hour list, preference is to only work up to 10 hours in a day, but may be worked up to 12 hours. Get that one a lot. I'm only on the 10-hour list, and they continue to work me 12. They can. It's a preference that you work 10. Okay? And most arbitrators won't even acknowledge a 10-hour list. That's just, that's just how it is. Article 8 says what? If you're on OTDL, you're going to work up to 12 hours. 10-hour list is a preference. All right? Work assignment list. Obligated to work overtime on own assignment during a regularly scheduled day work assignment list obligated to work overtime on own assignment on a regularly scheduled day no obligation or entitlement to work overtime on a non-scheduled day or on a route other than their own so it's just for their route on a regularly scheduled day work assignment only is not considered on non-scheduled day regardless of how bad they complain about it they're considered available for 12 hours 
Management may assign work to a PTF or a CCA at straight or overtime rate. So the PTF and CCA can take a work assignment only carriers work overtime. Carrier technician includes all routes within the string. To avoid paying penalty, management may assign work to an OTDL at regularly overtime rate. Okay, those people don't need to be getting in a fight with each other. If they're going into penalty, work assignment only carriers going into penalty. They can send Corey Walton out there who's on the OTDL list as long as he do, does that work in a regular overtime rate. Overtime and annual leave. Normally, carriers are not required to work their non-scheduled day if they have approved annual leave either the day before or the day after. Overtime and holiday scheduling. Only work beyond eight hours on a holiday or designated holiday is considered overtime work. Holiday schedule and the work schedule are two different items. The OTDL is not used when scheduling for holiday coverage. I'll read that again. Holiday schedule and the work schedule are two different items. The OTDL is not used when scheduling for holiday coverage. Letter care paragraph. Here we go. In the letter care craft, where management determines that overtime or auxiliary assistance is needed on an employee's route on one of the employee's regularly scheduled days and the employee is not on the overtime desired list, the employer will seek to utilize auxiliary assistance when available rather than requiring the employee to work mandatory overtime. So it's talking about care is not on the list, right? Letter care paragraph. CCAs are considered as auxiliary assistants. Management must seek to use all of the following to provide auxiliary assistance. PTS at straight time or regular overtime rate. CCAs at straight time or regular overtime rate. Full-time regular care at the straight time rate. OTDL cares at the regular overtime rate. Why does it not state? Penalty overtime. All right, only at the regular overtime rate. Mandatory overtime. Before requiring a non-ODL carrier to work overtime on a non-scheduled day or off his or her assignment on a regularly scheduled day, management must, M-U-S-T, <laughs> seek to use a carrier from the ODL even if the ODL carrier would be working penalty overtime. Mandatory overtime. Purpose of the OTDL. Rotating basis, juniority, skipped over if absent, volunteers, excuse from mandatory overtime. Letter, this is a review, letter care paragraph versus mandatory overtime, okay? Letter care paragraph deals only with overtime on a non-ODL carrier's own assignment on a regularly scheduled day. Y'all hear that? Letter care paragraph deals only with overtime on a non-ODL carrier's own assignment on a regularly scheduled day. Management must use CCAs or ODLs at the regular overtime rate. Page 815 of the JCAM. Mandatory overtime deals only with overtime off of a non-ODL or work assignment carrier's assignment on their non-scheduled day. Management must use ODLs at the regular or penalty overtime rate up to 12 hours. Page 817 of the JCAM. 12-hour, 60-hour limit, excluding December. 
12-hour and 60-hour limits are absolutes. A full-time employee may neither volunteer nor be required to work beyond these limits. 12 and 60 limitations include all hours, including any leave taken. Holiday leave pay is included in the 12 and 60-hour limitations, in addition to any hours worked on the actual holiday. Requirements. Send the carrier home after working 60 hours. Entitled to pay for the remainder of their scheduled day. What does that mean? That means that I get to Friday and I hit 60 hours at noon, I get an eight-hour guarantee, right? So they're required to pay me for the rest of that day. So if they send me home at noon on, on Friday, I still get that eight-hour guarantee, even though I hit my 60 hours at noon on Friday, okay? 11 and a half hours worked, CCA, PTF, non-OTDL. 12 hours worked, OTDL work assignment. Remedy, exclusive remedy is 50% of base hourly straight time. All right, I'm going to read to y'all two more things, and then we'll be done with it. All right, we're working on muscle memory, right? We're doing good. Letter care paragraph. Let's talk about it a little bit more. Letter care paragraph. Before acquiring full-time regular letter carriers who are not on the overtime desired list, ODL, to work overtime on an employee's own route, on one of their regularly scheduled days, management must seek to use auxiliary assistance when available rather than requiring the employee to work mandatory overtime. What is known as the letter carrier paragraph found on page 814 of the 2014 NELC USPS Joint Contract Administration Manual explains this as such. In the letter carrier craft, where management determines that overtime or auxiliary assistance is needed, on an employee's route on one of the employee's regularly scheduled days, and the employee is not on the overtime desired list, the employer will seek to utilize auxiliary assistance when available rather than requiring the employee to work mandatory overtime. A memorandum of understanding signed December 20th of 1988, it's M884, in the NELC materials reference system, Further explain the requirement to seek to use auxiliary assistance before requiring letter carriers not on the ODL or work assignment list to work overtime on their own route on a regularly scheduled day. Management must seek to use all of the following to provide auxiliary assistance. Part-time flexibles, PTFs, at the straight time or regular overtime rate. CCAs, employees at the straight time or regular overtime rate. Available full-time regular employees, such as unassigned or reserve regulars at the straight-time rate. Full-time carriers from the overtime desired list at the regular overtime rate. Remember, not penalty. However, the memo states that management does not have to use ODL carriers to provide auxiliary assistance if such an assignment would mean that the ODL carriers would be working penalty overtime. In that limited situation, if no auxiliary assistance is available without going into penalty overtime, management can require full-time regular carriers not on the ODL to work overtime on their own routes on a regularly scheduled day. In other words, there is no violation if management works ODL carriers and all available auxiliary assistance up to 10 hours, not up to 12. Why is that? I'll be in penalty. 
So ODL, CCAs, all those work up to 10. If they're working up to 10, then somebody that's not on the list can be required to work overtime on their own assignment. Okay? A reprint of question number 20 from the questions and answers 2011 USPS NELC National Agreement M1870, M1870, found on page 816 of the JCAM, confirms the uses of CCA's auxiliary assistance and reads, how are CCAs considered when applying the letter care paragraph? CCAs are considered as auxiliary assistants. Accordingly, management must seek to use CCAs at either the straight time or regular overtime rate prior to requiring letter carriers not on the overtime desired list or work assignment list to work overtime on their own route on a regularly scheduled day. And last thing, we'll be done. M884, M884, Memorandum of Understanding between the United States Postal Service and the National Association of Letter Carriers. And this is dated 1988. This memorandum of understanding represents the party's consensus on clarification of interpretation and issues pending national arbitration regarding letter care overtime as set forth herein. In many places in the country, there has been continued misunderstanding of the provisions of Article 8 of the National Agreement, particularly as it relates to the proper assignment of overtime to letter carriers. It appears as if some representatives of both labor and management do not understand what types of overtime scheduling situations would constitute contract violations and which situations would not. This memorandum is designed to eliminate these misunderstandings. 1. If a carrier is not on the overtime desired list or has not signed up for work assignment overtime, Management must not assign overtime to that care without first fulfilling the obligation outlined in the letter care paragraph of the Article 8 Memorandum. The Article 8 Memorandum provides that, where management determines that overtime or auxiliary assistance is needed on an employee's route on one of the employee's regularly scheduled days, and the employee is not on the overtime desired list, the employer will seek to utilize auxiliary assistance when available, rather than requiring the employee to work mandatory overtime. Such assistance includes utilizing someone from the ODL when someone from the ODL is available. 2. The determination of whether management is used to care from the ODL to provide auxiliary assistance under the letter care paragraph must be made on the basis of the rule of reason. For example, it is reasonable to require a letter carrier on the ODL to travel five minutes in order to provide one-hour auxiliary assistance. Therefore, in such a case, management must use the letter carrier on the ODL to provide auxiliary assistance. However, it would not be reasonable to require a letter carrier on the ODL to travel 20 minutes to provide one hour of auxiliary assistance. Accordingly, in that case, management is not required to use the letter carrier on the ODL to provide auxiliary assistance under the letter carrier paragraph. Let me stop there. Rule of reason. We've talked about this before. It is not talking about off-assignment overtime. The rule of reason is not talking about off-assignment overtime. It is only talking about a non-ODL carrier working overtime on his assignment. Okay? The rule of reason is not talking about off-assignment overtime. So if I'm not on the list and I've got an hour overtime, 
And it's going to take a carrier 30 minutes to drive and get this hour, deliver it, and then drive 30 minutes back to his route. That is not reasonable. That's why it's called the rule of reason. But if a carrier beside me bumps up to my route is on the ODL and he can come in two minutes and get my, my hour and deliver it and be back to his route in two minutes, that's reasonable. That's the rule of reason, okay? So remember, it's on assignment overtime for a non-ODL. It is not off assignment overtime, arbitrator Bayhackle. It is agreed that the letter care paragraph does not require management to use a letter care on the ODL to provide auxiliary assistance if that letter care would be in penalty overtime status. Again, we've covered that. Hopefully that muscle memory kicked in when we're reading these things. That's what we're working on today, muscle memory on Article 8, which is extremely confusing. It is further agreed that the agreement dated July 12, 1976, by, signed by Assistant Postmaster General James C. Guild and NELC President James Rademacher, is not in effect. In cases where management violates the letter care paragraph by failing to utilize an available letter care on the ODL to provide auxiliary assistance, the letter care on the ODL will receive as a remedy compensation for the lost work opportunity at the overtime rate. There is normally no monetary remedy for a carrier improperly required to work overtime on his own route. However, on a one-time, non-presidential basis, the Postal Service will pay $7 for each hour of the overtime work to each carrier who has a timely grievance pending at Step 2 or 3 as of the date of this agreement. In order to recover, the agreement must establish that he she was not on the ODL or work assignment list and was required to work overtime in violation of the principles set forth above. So there you go. So how is that? Some, some Article 8 for you. Wasn't too bad, right? Some, some muscle memory work for you. Um, hour and 43 minutes. That's not bad. Not bad at all for a Tuesday episode. So I told you I was going to get you some Article 8. A little bit of letter carrier paragraph in there. I think we covered that pretty good for you. So listen to this one about 20 times, <laughs> and then you'll yep, muscle memory will kick in for you, all right? <laughs> all right, let me get off of here, man. That's two nights in a row. I'm going to be going to bed about 1 in the morning. But, uh, hey, it's fine. It's worth it. I love y'all. So remember Sunday, Mr. Kerr, tell all your friends to listen to From Aid Arbitration this next week. Mr. Kerr is going to be on. He's going to talk to y'all about collective bargaining. Y'all will never hear anything else about it from anybody else, maybe in regional training, maybe. But um, And then JB, the Master Blaster, is going to be on the next Sunday, going to have some salted peanuts for you, some really good stuff. He's He's been telling me about it, really good. And that poor guy, he's got about eight removals he's working on right now. There's some of the – I was helping him with one. I don't, he don't need my help, but we'll always run stuff past each other on one today and he's talking to me about it and i'm sitting there thinking in my head you know because i told you i don't care what you do man i swear to god i don't care what you do i'm coming i sit there chewing on this one for about 20 minutes and he's you know listening us like huh man we in trouble <laughs> on this i couldn't think of nothing and you said i can think of anything i said man we we in trouble here. So y'all be thinking about my man. He's got about eight removals he's working on right now. And uh, none of them are easy. <laughs> Every one of them's tough. And uh, so he's working his little ass off, man. I appreciate that guy. But he'll be on the next week. 
Uh, and I'll probably be on the next week. I got Mr. Poskin who's going to talk about some Article 8 stuff as well. But uh, so there you have it, Article 8, with a little bit of going off on the beginning, but I can't help it. Uh, I think the world of y'all is a city letter care craft, man. And I'll, I'll, I'll come running when y'all holler at me. I come. I don't care what it is. I'm running. <laughs> I'm ready to get it, baby. So, I love you very much, and uh, I hope y'all know that. Uh, get on to uh, from eight arbitration. I didn't do this yesterday. From eight arbitration, talk to Miss Lindsay on Facebook page. Okay, uh, she does a great job there. Um, from eight arbitration dot com. Uh, Jeremy and JB are working on templates that they can put up for y'all, so that y'all can go to the templates section. And start pulling up some of JB's templates. Uh, they're very good, very good stuff, but very detailed. Uh, they're high level stuff. So, uh, I, if you don't even need them, I would go. I'd you know ask that you go in there and just read them because it's really high level stuff. Um, Jeremy's doing a fantastic job with FromAidArbitration.com. He's next level. Discord, uh, it's growing by leaps and bounds. It really is. Those people, like I said. If you get on there at 2 in the morning, they're on there talking. Midnight, on there talking. Crazy. I get on there, I'm like, what the hell y'all still doing? Go to bed. You know, but they're on there talk, talking good stuff, too. Got a lot of smart people on Discord, man. A lot of smart people on Discord. A lot of great stuff. You know, got questions being asked and answered on there. Very good stuff. Um, Reddit. Guy is amazing. That Reddit page made arbitration hysterical. That guy is, is is great. I'm telling you, he's, he's money. The stuff he puts up, man, has me cracking up on there. So the Reddit page from Made Arbitration. We are getting the shirts done, okay? Um, we're looking for a union uh, shirt person. Uh, I know somebody said, are they going to be union made? Yes. I promise you that. They'll be union made. Proceeds will go to MDA, all right? I'm not going to keep it. Proceeds will go to MDA. I think that'll be big. A lot of requests for that. A lot of requests. And I appreciate y'all. I had some people send me some pictures the other day from their union meeting up north here. And uh, they had from eight arbitration shirts on at their union meeting. Unbelievable, man. Unbelievable stuff. But, hey, we're fighters here. We're fighters here. So I'm honored to fight with you. I am. And we're going to flat get it. Regardless if anybody else steps on the field with us, we're on the field, man. We're fighting. Y'all want to come fight with us? Come on. Have some fun. But if you don't, stay out of our damn way because we're fighting right here. <laughs> okay? Um, let me get off of this thing, man. I'll keep talking for two more hours. All right? Hey, love each and every one of you. Keep talking to me. Great stuff coming in on these emails. Some fantastic wins. Fantastic wins. Um, even the losses, we're going over those, like I say all the time. Y'all send me things. We'll look at them together. Hey, it, we will lose. That's just a matter of fact. We will lose, and it does not make it any easier when I say it like that. Very good friend of mine, very good friend of mine is an advocate, and we not we were not successful in a removal that we took to arbitration, and uh, and. He was bummed out. Like I, anytime I lose an arbitration, I've lost 38 times in arbitration and all of them sucked ass. Uh, but he was bummed out, man. So we talked a good long time about it and um, it don't make it any easier, but we will lose sometimes. 
It's just the nature of the beast. We'll always put our best foot forward. We're going to put our contention together. We're going to feel great about it. Uh, We feel like we covered everything, and we will still lose. That's how it goes, okay? Keep your head up. Keep fighting. Uh, We'll learn from it. Some are just shitty-ass decisions. I've had plenty. Just crap. And you just have to deal with it. You got to swallow that and keep on going. And that's what we'll do, okay? But listen to me. We will lose. It, it, It will happen. It does not mean that you're not good at what you do, okay? It just means that somebody didn't look at it our way. I'll take the craziest shit to arbitration and lose and just be mad as hell. I'm like, dude didn't show up for four years. I don't give a damn. We should have won. <laughs> That's just how I am. All right, so uh, keep your heads up out there, man. If we're not successful in some things, we'll keep fighting. All right? And I'll talk to y'all Sunday with Mr. Kerf. all right? Y'all take care of yourselves. I'll talk to you then. Bye.